Welcome to Hanging at the Hangar Bar. I'm Scott. I'm Candace. I'm Lariah. And I'm Lacey. Grab a drink and come hang with us at the Hangar Bar. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hangar Bar. We are super excited to have you here. We're going to do a little disclaimer before we get started today. Candace and I are not lawyers. We are not politicians. At least I don't think we are, are we? Heavens no. No, we are not lawyers. We're not politicians. Nor do we speak for the brand of the, or the company of Disney. Right, or for the government of Florida. Correct. Don't don't sue us. No, Nobody come sue us. It's, this is purely opinion. This is strictly opinion. Second disclaimer. We are not, nor will we ever be, a news website or a news podcast. We just feel this is really important to talk about. Much like D23, when we watched that last year, we felt like this is big stuff. We need to talk about this. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about some breaking news and some not-so-breaking news We'll probably focus pretty heavily on what's happening in the Disney universe mm-hmm. right now, but we'll talk about some things that are happening within the park as well. Mm-hmm. So sit back, relax, get your patient pants on, make sure this is going to be one of those things where you are welcome to share your opinions with us on any of our social media. Just know that if you go to our social media, just be nice to everyone. That's no matter be what. Kind. Be That's kind. That's all we ask. We, we are here for discussion. In fact, we welcome it. And the opinions expressed in this podcast may be contrary to what your opinions are. And that's great. We need to be able to express that and talk about it and even disagree or agree to disagree if we need to. But just be kind. Yes. Because we're not going to tolerate rudeness, name calling, any of that. Yes. We can name call each other, but you can't name call us and we can't name call you. Correct. Right. <laughs> okay. So, Disney... Versus Florida. S- versus Florida. Disney sued Ron DeSantis and all the people of the board. If you were listening, you may or may not know exactly what we're talking about. So, we're going to give you just a little bit of a last 18 months history lesson, and then we're going to jump into all the juicy opinions and that kind of thing. Again... I've been following this fairly intently, so I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on what's happened and and that kind of thing. Just know there's probably details that I'm missing. There's nuances that I'm not going to get, all of those kind of things. So let's step back to 18 months ago during Candace's favorite CEO reign. I'm waiting for her to open her eyes and say something. I I have no words at this point. How dare you, sir? (laughs) So back when Bob Chapek was still the CEO, the state of Florida was working on passing some legislation called the Parental Rights in Education Act. Critics of that proposed legislation called it the Don't Say Gay Bill. Basically, my understanding of what they were doing was saying that in schools, you could not talk about sex, you could not talk about sexuality, you could not talk about gender nonconformity, you could not talk about all of those things, because that needed to be kept within the house. Your own house, not the house. Within your own house, parents needed to be able to tell their kids when they wanted to tell their kids, not have a kindergarten teacher trying to teach a kid 
about what different sexuality means, what lesbianism means, that kind of thing. That was not happening anyway, nor has it ever happened. My understanding of that law, the way it was passed, is it makes it to where if you have a lesbian or gay teacher who mentions their partner in class, they could potentially be fired, arrested. I, I don't know how far it goes from legality standpoint, but it's prohibiting people who have same-sex relationships basically from being able to talk about being gay. Now, it doesn't if a male teacher talks about his wife or a female teacher talks about her husband, not a big deal according to that legislation. So, we're not going to get hung up on whether or not we think that legislation is appropriate or not. Hint, I don't. I think it's a a willful it's it's legislating morality, which I think is just idiotic anyway, because it's your morality, not my morality, whatever. Um, but did the Disney company and Chapik decided, you know what? We don't like this bill, but we're going to sit this one out. We're going to give our money to the politicians to try and influence it from the back way, which is that happens a lot. So saith the accountant. <laughs> right. <laughs> but his cast members and the general public at large from around the country really were like, why is Disney not saying something about this bill? They need to speak up. I, my guess, I don't know the proportion, but my guess is the number of employees at Disney World that are some form on the LGBTQIA plus spectrum is probably higher than the general population. And keep in mind, in the state of Florida alone, employee numbers at Disney World are 75,000 people. They are the largest single site employer in the nation in Orlando, Florida. So eventually the outcry became too much and Chapik came out and kind of bungled through a response of, we disagree with this legislation. We don't think this legislation is great. It's if it passes, we are going to do everything we can to get the law repealed. At that point, governor DeSantis says, keep your mouth shut, stay out of it. This is none of your business. If, and that's when the feud really started. Right? Is Do I have that right, Candace? As far as I understand, yes. Okay. So now we're at that spot where the bill has now passed. Disney has come out and said, you know what? We're going to work to repeal this. And because of the heightened sensitivity around this right now, we're pausing all political donations in the state of Florida. We're not giving money to anybody for a bit until we figure out what we're going to do. Yet another little tick to DeSantis saying, wait, you're not going to fund my my inauguration anymore. You're not going to do these things for me. I'm going to make you pay. I'm going to take away Reedy Creek Improvement District. Candace. Yes. Tell us what Reedy Creek Improvement District is. Okay. Reedy Creek Improvement District is basically Disney's own little governance that supplied their road systems within the grounds of the resort. Um, it provided first responder services as far as EMS, fire department, security, police department, all the things that a municipality basically needs in order to function efficiently and support a solid infrastructure. And it was their own. 
So Disney ran all of that on their own, which meant they also absorbed any tax burden from said services. That's important to this discussion. Right. They were basically Disney was paying taxes into the Reedy Creek Improvement District. And it was originally set up because when Disney moved to Florida, they moved to a swamp. Mm -hmm. There were no roads. There were no utilities. There were none of the things that you would need to basically build a city. Utilities. Utilities. I I forgot that part. Yeah. So none of that was there. And so the state of Florida said, hey, we'll let you run your own district. You're going to absorb those tax burdens? Fine. Yeah. You want to come spend this money? You want to do that? You don't... The state of Florida is not going to have to pay for you to do that? Great. Fantastic. We're good. Fast forward 50, 60 years later, DeSantis is now saying, you have too many special privileges with Reedy Creek because you spoke out against me in a political way that I don't like. I'm going to remove Reedy Creek Improvement District. Which, by the way, I just have to put this in there because I'm providing color commentary today. And I will tell you that the road system within the confines of the property lines of the Walt Disney World Resort are immaculate. Yes. There are no giant potholes. There are no... It's a beautiful road system. Absolutely. And they maintain it that way. And thank you, Reedy Creek. Yeah. And the employees for Reedy Creek. Yes. Yeah. So they... DeSantis works with the Republican supermajority that he has in the state legislature to pass a bill that basically dissolves Reedy Creek Improvement District and doesn't replace it with anything. So the first iteration, basically, they say, we're just going to get rid of it. You don't you don't get your special district anymore. The problem with that was that Disney had somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 million or 50 billion dollars in bond debt on Reedy Creek that Disney was the one paying that interest, paying all that, that would have gone to these, that that would have gone straight to the taxpayers of the two counties in which Disney World sits if there's no replacement district or Reedy Creek goes away. So my the opinion time with Scott, they didn't think through. This was a punishment for having an opinion, which will become important in a little bit. This was punishment for having an opinion. We're going to take take away your special privileges because you dared have an opinion. That was they, contrary to our contrary opinion. Contrary to our opinion. We don't we didn't look into what all this meant. We didn't we just knew that this Reedy Creek thing is important to you. We're gonna take it away. That bond debt would have landed squarely on the shoulders of the two counties that Disney World sits in. So the legislature was like, oh, we can't do that because then taxes go up. Some people say that they didn't care because the two counties in which Disney World sits are primarily vote Democratic. So like some of the talk at the time was that they just don't care because the taxes are only going to go up on the people in blue counties. Maybe that'll turn them red. That was some of the talk that was there. Luckily, that I don't think that was 100% true because before that, that, that one passed, before that could take effect, they came back and they instead, instead of just doing away with Reedy Creek, they said, we're going to replace Reedy Creek with the Central Florida Tourism Oversight Board or something like that. Nothing nearly that rolls off the, tr- the tongue like Reedy Creek does. Sounds very first order. Yeah, it, it kind of does. Dun, dun, da, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so 
we are now at a spot where they've said we're going to have this new district. The problem is that Disney was not going to be represented on this new board. That board was handpicked by Governor DeSantis, and the people that he picked for it were all his friends and his cronies and all the people that are close to him, basically a pay-for-play. And it was all about, we're going to go in there and make sure Disney's not being woke. Ugh. Like these are things like these are you can go out and search these topics or, or these quotes and there DeSantis said it the people on the board said it they even thought that they were going to have some say in the types of movies that Disney made because this new board was sitting was overseeing all of the land and utilities and that kind of thing where Reedy Creek used to sit hint that's not how any of this works that's not how any of this works so Disney being the multinational multi-billion dollar company that they are just consistently sat back and said look we're going to work within the confines of whatever the state of florida does we're, we're going to be fine whatever we're going to play by the rules we're going to do everything that, that we need to do disney's a better poker player than the state of florida because what ended up happening is two or three weeks before the new board took took over and reedy creek was dissolved Reedy Creek Improvement District turned over land use rights, turned over utilities. No, they turned over land use rights and basically said that Disney controlled everything that happened on the land within what was Reedy Creek. All of this private land, Disney sort of public forumed it, made sure everybody knew what was going on, followed the law to a T in terms of notice. And they're really, really good about that. Their lawyers are really good. And so here's the thing. All of this was public noticed. None of the new board, nor DeSantis, nor the legislature knew that Disney put this contract in place with Reedy Creek that turned basically power of everything except for the roads over to Reedy Creek or over to Disney. So their first board meeting with this new board, they come in and they're like, hey, we got screwed. They backdoored this deal. They, they didn't tell us about it. None of this. Well, they did. You just weren't paying attention. Surprise. So now we're getting a little bit closer to current day. And then the the history lesson news story part of this will be done. We get to a spot where the new board has come in and said, we're not going to stand for this. We think what Disney and Reedy Creek did is illegal. So they came to a meeting just last week and said, we are signing something that says that what they did with Reedy Creek is declared null and void. And they end up signing this thing, and within minutes, there's a lawsuit filed in Tallahassee suing Governor DeSantis, suing the legislature of Florida, and suing every person on this board for basically damaging Disney's business because they are trying to violate this contract law out of retribution. So a couple other things, like I, I just as I look back, and, and again, I think you can probably hear my, my slant as to kind of what I think as a Disney fan here, So, but I'm trying to be careful to just report some of the facts with a little bit of my opinion in there. What I noticed, a, a couple of things that I think DeSantis may have screwed himself with this lawsuit. Like, after it came out that Disney did this thing with Reedy Creek, he came out and said, well, it's illegal, it's illegal, and we're going to take over and we're going to use that land for whatever we want. That's Disney's land, just governed under Reedy Creek or governed under the, the new oversight board. 
and said, hey, maybe we will build a new theme park. Maybe we'll turn it into a state park. Heck, maybe we'll even build a prison on this land right next to Magic Kingdom. All of these little things are coming out now as part of the lawsuit of, hey, see what what the governor said he was going to do because he didn't like our political opinion? Which then just now we have to back up 10 more years to see something else that I think is the most fascinating part of this entire story. So 10 or 15 years ago, the the Republican party was really focused on where their money was coming from. Like they wanted to be able to go to these corporations because they're the party of business. Really? Um, But they're the party of business. So they want businesses to be able to contribute to their, to their reelection campaigns, their election campaigns, all of those kind of things. So there was a decision that made it all the way to the Supreme court called citizens United that basically said that corporations have the same constitutional rights as people. They, this is important. This is important. They have the same rights as, as people, and money counts as protected First Amendment speech. So those are two things. The money part of that is less important than the fact that businesses, corporations get the exact same rights as individuals. That means they can spend their money how they want. They can speak out loud without fear of persecution or retribution or retribution from the government. Hmm. So what do you think one of Disney's first lines in their lawsuit was? This is happening to us because we dared speak out against what the governor said. And what the governor is, I think, failing at this point to see is that he has all of this stuff on public record of him saying, I'm doing this because Disney disagreed with me. They're too woke. They're too this. They're too that. And so now this lawsuit is going to play out. My personal opinion is Disney filed this lawsuit knowing that it's going to take, well, two things. It's going to take multiple years to complete and get to any kind of a resolution, which they're asking for an injunction that says, until all this gets figured out, let us just operate Reedy Creek the way it was before the legislature passed the Central Florida Oversight District thing. Let us just keep going until all this is figured out in court. Because otherwise that could hurt their business. Right. Right. We're planning on dropping like, $17 billion into new additions. This puts all of that investment at risk. So they want to do that to just pull back. Let's just undo all this while it's in court. So the, the thing that I think they're doing is whether or not they believe this is a winning case for them, they're just limping towards a new government, a new governor that they can use their money to drop in and say, hey, when you get into power and you control what the legislature's focused on, let's work on this a little bit and get to something we both can agree on instead of it just being a pissing match. So that's kind of where we're at from this huge, huge kind of news story around Disney. I don't think in the short term it's going to have any impact on the parks. It's not going to have Disney's not going to pick up and move to another state. I, like you think about the amount of money that it would take if they decided, you know what, screw Florida, we're going to move to South Carolina. It, it would cost them $400 billion or more to buy the land, rebuild all the parks because they'd have four theme parks. I don't even know how many hotels, two water parks, 
a downtown area, all of that would have to be rebuilt. They're not moving because Central Florida is the place to be. There's a reason Walt picked it. Right. Plus, the when Walt chose Central Florida, he was able to do so under some fictitious business names. And I'm sorry, but any company moving into any state within the nation, I would think would be safe to say, that was requiring that much of a block of land, you're going to know who it is. Right, exactly. So, yeah, the other interesting thing about this from a political standpoint is as this progresses, no matter who wins the first round, second round, third round, it's going to make its way higher and higher in the courts. There's going to be... Like, potentially, this becomes a Supreme Court decision. Mm -hmm. So the Republicans in the state of Florida, in order to win this argument, are going to have to argue that corporations do not have the same free speech rights as individuals, which goes back on 15 years worth of precedent, which then takes corporate money out of politics. Like, this is one of those things where, where somebody's going to Tanya Harding DeSantis at some point. Don't. Why did you put that out in the universe? <laughs> yeah. It's not our idea. Please, somebody don't do that. We just said no. be kind. Physical violence is not the answer here. No. We're I, just putting that on the record. Thank you very much. We're going to get. <laughs> yeah. there. There's a whole bunch of people that are not going to be happy that now in order to win this argument, we have to. We have to go. Uh, we have to basically invalidate Citizens United. Well, yeah, because that's been their their screaming point for however long it's been. And that takes hundreds of millions of dollars out of out of politics. Mm-hmm. Which would that put the end to politics? Because that might not be such a bad thing. No, but it changes it. Yeah. Like so. Again, trying not to get too political. The like. And I want Dis so two things. I want Disney to win this suit because it was brought up. Like I don't think it's right that a governor can say, "Hey, you, I don't like that you spoke out against me, so I'm going to make you pay for it." I think that's asinine and stupid. Mm-hmm. But I also firmly have a foot in the other camp that Citizens United was one of the worst things that's ever happened to this country. Okay. It just it added two. Too much influence from people with too much money. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, yeah. So, Candace. Yes. Let's talk about this lawsuit a little bit. What are your kind of, what are your opinions or where do you think this goes? What do you, th- how do you think this is going to show up in parks if it is? How do you think this is going to show up for the company? I think, although they may not show it in the show aspect of the business like what the guests see and the guest experience and all of that disney is a very conservative company yes they don't do things on a whim they don't do things on a wing and a prayer they would have not filed this lawsuit if they were not confident that they can win it right because they have bigger fish to fry right and they would not have filed a lawsuit within minutes of okay, the board so, making their decision. So I have to tell you about this because, okay, so we all know that Disney's, it, they're known for their storytelling abilities. Immersing myself in as much Disney as we have. I mean, it's all over our house. We wear Disney clothes all the time. I mean, it, we are Disney people. 
that's made me start thinking about things in a storytelling perspective. Mm -hmm. And when I read the headlines about the lawsuit dropping, the only thing, like I have this whole backstory in my head of how this all shook out. And in the chamber where this meeting was being held, where they were like, "Mm, let's pull back a little bit on this and make it the way that it was. There was an intern for the Disney legal department, probably on his, he'd been through traditions. So maybe within his first week of work, and he sat there with his little Kyle name tag. (laughs) I love that his name is Kyle. Of course it is. (laughs) And his little earning my ears ribbon that hangs underneath it while people are still in training. And he heard these words coming out, and he ran out into the hallway, and he called his boss at Disney legal. Roberta picked up the phone. Roberta, yes. I love that you've put names with all of these people. It's you great. have to. It's character development. <laughs> yes. We're building a story here. So Roberta picks up the phone. She takes the message. She hands it over to Pamela, who is the paralegal who's helping out the main lawyer in this whole thing. Pamela gets in touch with the lawyer and says, okay, this is what we've heard. This is what's happening. The lawyer gets on his phone, calls his buddy at Tallahassee and says, push the button. <laughs> Voila. There Lawsuit it is. Filed. But this is how this happened in, in my story <laughs> in my story realm. That's how it happened. Yeah, and I don't think that's probably far from the truth. Like Oh, and by the way, the the um lawyer's name is Oliver. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. I think we know the, the the lawyer's name and I don't think that's it, but we'll go with Oliver for now because <laughs> I don't know what it really is. But like the lawsuit they filed is seventy seven pages. That you don't whip that up in five minutes. They've yeah. been working on this since the beginning of the whole board thing. Well, I think they've been working on it since DeSantis first threatened to get rid of Reedy Creek. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Disney was sitting there going, okay, let's start putting this stuff in writing. Let's mm-hmm. get this stuff where it needs to be. Let, let's get for when they do actual damage. We'll do everything by the books. We'll do everything that we need to do. But when they do something that causes damage... We are going to be ready. Mm-hmm. And boy, were they. And it's not a retaliation thing. I mean, this this could potentially affect and harm their business. Yeah. And that cannot happen. Yeah. Like threatening to put a competing theme park on the same land. Right. Number one, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, kids, we're, we're going to drive down I-4 and we're going to go underneath this big thing that says, welcome to Disney. And there's going to be a little sign on the right that says... Potato land. Potato, no, that says Six Flags Orlando. <laughs> and your kids are going to look at you and they're going to be like, Dad. No. Why did we just turn right? It said Disney, kid, we're going to Six Flags Orlando. <laughs> Pick up any screws you find as we walk through the door. We'll turn them in. We hear there's a prize for the person that finds the most of them. Can you imagine how light the attendance would be at a theme park on on Disney grounds that's not a Disney theme park? It would probably shut down within the first month. <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> uh, it just cracks me up. Like, and you know, like DeSantis is saying that stuff just to get a rise. He's playing to his base. He doesn't care what of happens to is. Reedy Creek. He's he's running for president. He he wants to be able to go out and say, "I beat Disney" uh. because that plays well with his base. Ugh. And it it just is kind of ridiculous. But going back to your question to me about what this could potentially mean for the company, yes. the, the only thing that I think that it could potentially mean is a bit of a slowdown 
of possible development of future attractions and parts of the parks. Yeah. Just because, again, going back to it, Disney is a conservative company and they have been for the hundred years that they've been in business. And this isn't going to change that. But I think seeing a potential slowdown of things that they've got in the work just to make sure that they're not going to be in the middle of something when everything comes crashing down. Right. Not that it will, but they, uh, that is something they have to think about. Yeah. Agreed. Do you think that Disney, I like, I think you're right. Like that will slow down capital investment in central Florida. Mm -hmm. Maybe that $17 billion that they were planning for changes to the parks becomes 5 billion to update what's already there. Mm -hmm. And they take another 10 billion to say, let's build a, let's build a third third gate somewhere else in America whether it be a South Carolina or a Texas or somewhere else where they can say okay fine we're we're not going to invest there we're going to divest ourselves of risk and we're going to start building a new location here and then all of their money goes there and Orlando just kind of stays what it is right now i mean they're not going to let it run into the ground they can't they'll keep it up but they won't add new it'll become very much they'll update rides when they need to be updated if they want to like draw more people into it they'll be like hey we're going to change this ride to this new ip or they'll that's the kind of investment they'll do there instead of growing their footprint Mm -hmm. i could see them potentially saying we're going to grow our footprint somewhere else Mm -hmm. as well because you've just added a lot more risk to us right and as a conservative company, we don't need that. Right. Because there's a lot of ground that we could cover elsewhere. Yeah. 100% agree. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So that's the, the big news coming out of Orlando in the last week. Sorry for the the long kind of rant and diatribe, but we, we, we just thought it was important to talk about. I don't think you can be a Disney podcast without talking about that big piece of news. Um, I think we could, but I think we would do a disservice because unlike park news or new snacks, and not that there's anything wrong with new snacks, those are some of my favorite announcements ever. This is important, and this yeah. this affects more than just Disney. This This affects a lot of things, and I think it could potentially affect a lot of the future of Walt Disney World as we know it. Yeah. This impacts the future. Mm-hmm. Not just of Disney, mm-hmm. but like this is big enough stuff that it's like this impacts the way politics is done. This impacts the way businesses operate. This is big stuff. Mm-hmm. So it'll be really interesting to sort of watch play out. And as there's bigger developments, we may not do another long episode like this where we talk about it. But now this gives us the jumping off place to be able to say, hey, remember when we talked about this? Here's the latest update. And here's what's going on, because uh, we don't want to assume that everybody that listens to our podcast is as in tune to what's happening as Disney as I am, or you are. We are. We are. So, let's talk other news. You mentioned like new foods, park news, that kind of thing. What other new things happening, or what other newsworthy things are happening? within the Disney universe that you think we need to talk about before we wrap this one up? So I think it's important to understand, and this is this kind of goes back to an episode that we recorded earlier this season, Disney Cruise Line is celebrating their 25th anniversary, if you they can are. believe it. I can't. That, how, that just seems very odd to me. How long ago was our first cruise? 
Our very first one? On Disney. It would have been 2006, 2007? I think 2007. So the Disney Cruise Line had only been open 10 years? Mm-hmm. So we were on them fairly, as a fairly new line. Not mm-hmm. as new as like the Virgin Line we went on. Right. But still, we've been there since the beginning, Candace. <laughs> Yeah, just long enough for them to get a couple ships floating and uh, the kinks worked out. Right. Yes. And those were great, great cruises. Those are on the smaller ships, the Magic and the Wonder, and I still say those are probably my favorite of the fleet. Yep, I would agree. I would go back to the smaller ships every single time. Mm-hmm. But so with my point saying that, 25th anniversary celebration, they have rolled out an entire line of 25th anniversary snacks for service on board the ships. Ooh. Yeah. Yum. Yeah. Should we do an entire episode about cruise line snacks? You know, I think that would be a good idea, but but let's let let ugh, words. <laughs> let's leave that to our listeners. If you want to hear about the cruise line and the food and all the things, we would be more than happy to talk about that. So definitely let us know. Yeah. Ooh. Like, we're just doing some advertising for our own future podcast now. We could do another episode of Mixing It Up with the Mouse, do the chocolate souffles from Paolo. Paolo, and talk about new foods on the cruise ship. We could do that. Hmm. Let us know if you want us to do that. That's Brainstorm. We're, we're brainstorming with our listeners. If that sounds like something you'd love to listen to, let us know that. Mm-hmm. So the other thing that's happened that I don't think we've talked about since it's opened, even though it's been a couple months probably, is in Florida, Tron opened. Mm -hmm. Opinions, thoughts on that? So a couple episodes ago, you you snarkily noted that it took like five years to get this thing built and operational and open, which of course they were dealing with a pandemic. So I think it would have gone faster had COVID not happened. Screw you, COVID. I will say it till the end. That and water table issues, I don't think they expected. Right. But you know, you build on a swamp, things like that happen. Right. I, okay. So I have seen the original Tron movie, the one from the eighties. It's been probably that long since I've seen it because it just doesn't hold a place in my heart. I get it, but I don't get it. And I don't care to get it. And that's fine. That's my opinion. I've not seen the new one. And I'm not quite sure other than bringing a ride from Tokyo where it originated to the States was really worth bringing that IP into Magic Kingdom. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. Like it's a, it's a niche, a niche, 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 um, IP anyway they needed a new thrill ride in Florida because there's been a lot building up at the other parks that they're trying to compete with so the land they had available to them at the time was in Tomorrowland Mm -hmm. what else could they have done because I get why they picked that IP because it's very futuristic it's the light cycles, all of that kind of stuff is, it fits in Tomorrowland even though it's IP. Right. And what we've seen with the outside part of it and inside part of it and the lighting and all the things that it does, it looks really, 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 really cool. Yeah. I'm not going to take that away from it. What I will take away from it is that the ride vehicles are not compliant, comfortable for all body types. Like, 
you have to be, from what I've seen, you have to be a bit of a contortionist to fold yourself onto this light cycle thing. Because you have to bend your legs in a certain way that the bar can come up behind your knees. Um, there's a thing that comes down over your back a little bit um, to kind of hold you in, which is very important. And safety is number one. <laughs> so there's that. Um, and if you don't fit on those, there are some ride vehicles with some um, seats, ADA compliant seats, because there have to be. Um, granted, that wouldn't be the full light cycle experience, I don't think. But being bendy enough to get on this thing or not, that's where I would be just because I want to be comfortable. Right. And I don't want to have a leg cramp in the middle of a minute and a half long ride that it has me screaming in pain because I'm going to scare the people around. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I like how you say that it's not good for all body types. And that's not just saying it's not just good for poo size people. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen reviews of that ride of people that are six foot three and like ath- an athletic six foot three mm-hmm. that have trouble with the thing coming up behind their legs because they're too tall or their like, calves are too big. Right. Or, right. Yeah. Yeah. Poo size people are going to have trouble with it, but it's not just that demographic that like it's like it was designed for that Japanese audience that's between five, four and five eleven and skinny mm-hmm. and like that's not taking anything away from the designers or anything like oh, that no, it no. just it is what it is and that probably catches 90% of the people that are going on that ride mm-hmm. but the the 10% that it misses are have to have a, a different experience which is just it's a little bit odd i think yeah and uh, again i think yeah. I don't know what kind of engineering marvel it would have taken to kind of update those vehicles and still keep the the feel the feel of them. I I, I don't, yeah, I don't know, know that that's a possibility, and maybe that's why they didn't. But I just think I don't know. I don't I don't know that it was a smart move. Yeah, and I I keep trying to go back and think like what would I have done instead of Tron to get a thrill ride in that fits in Tomorrowland. That's not like a mi- like a mix between a dark ride and a thrill ride like Seven Dwarfs because I think they wanted a true. This is a thrill ride from the jump. Mm-hmm. And and the s- only space thing that they've really done, or space related thing that they've really done recently, is Star Wars, and we definitely don't need that in no. Magic Kingdom. And you could go Buzz Lightyear ish, but there's already a Buzz Lightyear ride over there. Mm-hmm. So again, they I- could have called it Falling with Style. Yeah, <laughs> but that would have been like it would have felt like it probably would have felt really close to form in the current Tomorrowland because the current Tomorrowland does not feel like a Tomorrowland, right? But yeah, I, so that's something else that I'd I'd love the the listeners to weigh in on is if you were to build a three a three ride a thrill ride based on IP that would fit in. Tomorrowland, what would you have built? Like I, I keep trying to wrap my head around, okay, what would what could you have gone with? What could you have done that would have been a roller coaster based ride that would fit the theme of Tomorrowland? They could have done something with Meet the Robinsons. Yes. I need to go back and watch that movie again. Yeah, it's I, been a while, but that... I've, I've long thought that they should just like remake some like movie scenes. Like watching the emperor's new groove 
Like, there's parts of that <gasps> that would totally work as a thrill ride. It, what you're thinking would not be in Tomorrowland, but go for it. The whole, why do we even have that lever? Yeah. No, it wouldn't be in Tomorrowland, but the total thrill ride. And yeah. you could work water into it and the whole thing because there was. Yeah. Yeah, so there, there, there's things they could have done that are future-facing. There's things that they could have done that I, I think, again, going with Tron was going to be less expensive because it's just a duplication of a ride that already exists, mm-hmm. which Disney does that a lot because mm-hmm. if you're buying two of something like that, it's cheaper. You don't have to pay to have it redesigned. You right. don't have to... All of those kind of things. You don't have to pay to go out and find new set pieces. All of that stuff already exists. So um, I get why they did what they did, and I'm going to keep brainstorming. And that way I can be old man that shakes his fist at a cloud and say, <laughs> you should have done this. But I just haven't figured out what that other thing is yet. Well, and I think to fit into Tomorrowland, and part of the reason why so many people love Tomorrowland so much is because of the retro aspect of the future. Right. And so I think that that kind of opens up the door to several other potential IPs where they could have done it a little more retro, but still have it technologically advanced and thrill ride. They totally should have gone and bought the rights to the Jetsons. (laughs) (laughs) Bought the Hanna-Barbera name. Like Disney can afford to go out and buy Hanna-Barbera. But it's less than perfect animation. We don't need that in our parks. Thank you. Save it. (laughs) See, this is what the Imagineers have to deal with. They're having these kind of conversations, too. Okay. Anything else that you want to talk about that you think our our listeners would enjoy our opinions on? Um, Going back to the cruise line, um, Lighthouse Point is getting that much closer to opening. That opens this summer, right? Next summer. Next summer, 2024. Yep. Along with Castaway Key, it is a new private island that Disney is developing for a cruise ship stop. And I cannot wait. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Yep. That one's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. I just hope ships other than the Wish go there. Well, I think they will. And I hope it's as good as Castaway Key. I think it'll be better because I think there's going to be some more cultural elements to it. And more more than just the rent a snorkel, rent a bike. Yeah, you could go on some different excursions and that kind of thing. Yeah. Because it's at the point of a bigger island. Yes. Like, Disney gets, like, this entire end of this island, but it's attached to things that you can leave their property to go do. hmm Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. I think we're going to wrap this one up here. I think this was a great discussion. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. We asked you to give us feedback on a lot of different things in this episode. So, come find us on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit. Tell us what we got right, what we got wrong. And we can't wait to have you listen to future episodes as we continue to to talk about these things, some upcoming things that we know are coming up. I'm going to be falling down another rabbit hole soon. The the girls are going to be talking about an introvert's guide to Disney. So some really cool, interesting topics we'll that I think are coming planning. up. More trip planning episodes, that kind of thing are, are coming up. And I'm super excited about all of it. So um, as we go into our week, remember there is a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. And we'll see you real soon. <laughs>